News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Hour number three here of the Pete Callender Show. Thanks for hanging out. I appreciate it. The phone numbers are 704-570-1110 and uh, 1-800-WBT-1110. Email is Pete at thepetecallendershow.com and on Twitter, it's at Pete Callender. Get the podcast as well. Uh, so uh, we're playing the audio from the Mecklenburg County Sheriff's debate last night. And I feel the need to point this out because I know there are people that are very big supporters of Ted Budd and they appreciate and approve of his strategy of not engaging in any debates, which he has made it now through the entire primary without having to debate Pat McCrory and Mark Walker and Marjorie Eastman. He, he was a no-show last night for the final debate before the primary. So we're all going to get to vote now uh, in the primary without having heard him or seen him perform. And, and Sheriff McFadden's performance last night at the debate is why I am interested in seeing people debate. Because I get to read their body language. I get to read their facial expressions. I get to hear how they engage with critics, how they respond to attacks. To me, that's important. And I'm not saying it has to be important to you. Please, you know, that I'm a, I'm a lowercase l libertarian here. I'm not trying to impose my standard on you. I will advocate. I will say my standard is a good standard. That's why I adopt it, right? I generally don't hold beliefs or principles that I think are wrong, so I would recommend others adopt it. But you don't have to. I still respect people who decide that, no, you know what, it's worth it, it doesn't matter, and if he doesn't have to debate anybody ever, fine. They like him, they're on board with it. But this is why debate performance matters to me, because I didn't know anything about these three candidates before last night's debate. But watching it, listening to them speak about it. And, well, that's I also watched Gary McFadden at the county commissioner's meeting a couple of weeks ago. And I got a vibe and I got even more of that vibe last night. And the vibe is none of it's my fault. Things were really bad. Other people did worse. Other people made mistakes. COVID, not my fault, COVID, I'm a progressive black sheriff. Maybe it's because I'm black that people are are opposed to me. Also COVID, right? Lots of blame. He just sprinkles all around to other organizations, other people. He makes sort of veiled references to things without explaining. I mean, like one of the things, he called it the good old boy system. He accused the two challengers, both of whom are black Democrats, accuse them of wanting to return to a good old boy system. One of the challengers is a black woman. And he accused her of wanting to reimpose the good old boy system. By the way, as an aside, where are all of the Mecklenburger proponents of Ketanji Brown Jackson, who told me that her appointment, her nomination and, uh, Appointment to the U.S. Supreme Court was so historic that anybody who opposed it must be racist. Where are you guys right now? And the only reason I ask is because Gina Hicks would be the first black female sheriff in Mecklenburg County. Shouldn't we put her into that position for the historical nature of the the matter? Right. That's it. That's that. That would be the standard. Right. Let's just say, hey, black woman, history making. Get out of the way, everybody else. She has to have that post. Now, Gary McFadden was the first black sheriff. He, keep, he always reminds everybody. And 
he suggests that the reason why people are opposed to him is because he's the first black sheriff. That's what he said at the debate last night. So the guy drops the race card apparently whenever possible. Okay, so now that actually reminds me. I am a little bit aware of a little bit of Gary McFadden's record because I recall this was back when I was, well, it was before I got back to BT. And um, McFadden, remember he set up some speed traps or something? I want to say it was in North Mech area. He did some speed trapping and people were complaining about it. And he... What did he go down and he said, he was at some meeting and he said that basically you guys are racist. You guys, it's your white privilege talking. That's why you're upset that the black sheriff sent the speed trap out there to the, to your area. And I thought that was mainly, if I remember correctly, it was because Mecklenburg County sheriff's deputies don't generally run speed traps, right? Also, I think they were in a place that had their own police force and they run their own speed traps. So Thank you very much, Mr. New Sheriff. We don't need you doing speed traps in our town. We got it covered, especially since you don't normally do that. But it was seen as this, you know, white privilege, racial prism kind of a thing, if I remember that correctly. Okay, so the question then is, was staff safe? And he says, ah, well, what's safe? I don't really know. How do you define safe? All of that. Gina Hicks says, hey, I ran the jail for 18 years. I worked there 18 years. Jail was safe when I was there. Marquise Robinson says, you know, jail can never be 100% safe, but people are not as safe as they were, and that's directly due to the sheriff. So then the question is, are the inmates safe? Are the inmates safe? I'll get to that in a minute. Let me go over here to... Oh, that's uh, Is this James? Hello, James. Welcome to the program. Hello. Hey, how are you? Oh, I'm wonderful. I've just been enjoying listening to the idiot. <clears throat> oh. <laughs> okay. All I'm right. sorry. I knew Mr. McFadden when he worked for the city. Oh, okay. Was, yeah. When And uh, never worked with him, just knew him as an aside. He's notorious for playing the race card. Hmm. I also spent 30 years working for the sheriff, and I worked with Miss Hicks. She's good people, she's honest, and she knows what she's talking about. And that is what I usually hear from people who worked with her. She was a good... I, I, I worked with her when she was a training officer, and I worked with her when she was a sergeant. And she worked her way all the way up the ladder. And she's good people, she knows what she's talking about. When, you know, this bit about a, a, a sergeant in the jail getting stabbed... Uh, the 30 years I worked for the sheriff, we didn't have anybody get stabbed. Mm-hmm. Not under C.W. Kidd, not under Jim Pendergraft, and not under Chip Bailey. And to my knowledge, that never happened uh, under Carmichael. Under Carmichael either. Right. So was Carmichael after Bailey? Carmichael was after Bailey. Carmichael lost to McFadden because Carmichael supported... Uh, 287 with the feds on uh, 287G uh, immigration 287G program and McFadden of course was doing the running around with my hair on fire screaming about how it's racist right and he Uh, was also McFadden was one of several uh, sheriff's candidates who won in that year um, mm -hmm. around the state of North Carolina as part of a concerted effort by the left and money that came from these you know dark money groups 
Uh, but you had McFadden. You also had uh, up in Buncombe County. Uh, oh, my gosh. Why am I blanking on his name now? Um, the sheriff in Buncombe County. What, what's that? You had one in Wake, too. Yeah. And it, so these are black Democrats who came in very, very anti-287G, hardcore progressive uh, policies and such. And um, that and, and they won. And so this was part of a a larger, broader campaign. So now, you know, we've got a, lay, a look at how he governs, how he runs the operation. And I think it's pretty telling when you get two people that have worked there for so long that run against the old boss. Like, that, to me, says a lot. You can't. You were asking the question about whether or not the inmates are safe. By the way, they ain't residents. <clears throat> right. Whether or not the inmates are safe. If the staff isn't safe, nobody in the building is safe. That's a great point. Yeah. James, hey, man, I got to run. I appreciate the call. Thanks for the insight. Thank you. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Going over the audio from the debate last night between the three candidates for Mecklenburg County Sheriff. They're all Democrats. Um... I was talking during the break with uh, producer Bernie here, and um, it is it's very helpful in that all three of the candidates are Democrats and all three of the candidates are black, which means we can actually just listen to what they're saying and analyze what they're saying. And McFadden's attempts to, you know, make this a racial thing, it falls flat because they're, they're, it's not a racial thing. They're, everyone's black. Right? It's not a partisan thing. Everyone's Democrat. So we get to just listen to this discussion and this these these positions on his ability to lead the sheriff's office. It's, we're actually very fortunate in that regard. Everything I've been going over these are you know material, either policy discussions or, or leadership or style discussions. It's not about anything else, even though McFadden keeps trying to make it about these things. A uh, couple of emails. Here's one from Dennis who says, Pete, it seems to me that there is a, a medical term that defines Sheriff McFadden's attitude symptoms. The term is octorectomitis, which explains that when the nerve impulses from the eyes get crossed up with the nerve impulses from the rectum and thus gives the patient a crappy outlook on life. I had no idea such a thing existed. It sounds real. Uh, Jennifer says, thanks for covering the story. Can't wait to see who the Charlotte Observer endorses. That should be interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's a great point. Um, all right, let me get back to the audio. The question was, and as you heard uh, in the last hour, the caller at the very end, James, thank you, James, uh, who said, look, you know, this question was, are the inmates safe? And if the inmates aren't safe, then nobody is safe. And it's a great point. If the inmates aren't safe, then nobody is safe. Here's Gary McFadden's response. We are dancing with the word safe. Is, is Charlotte safe? Is this room safe? Is America safe? It would have been safe to say that on January 6th. Was the Capitol safe? Oh the Capitol wasn't safe. If you had asked the people in Washington, D.C., were they safe that day, they would have said yes. So we danced with the word safe, safe as possibly can be when everyone works together to make the environment safe. 
Gina Hicks, one of the challengers who ran the jail for 18 years, says when uh, when she was uh, removed, she went over to Gaston County. Until this administration has changed. Oh, hang on a second. That's not Gina Hicks, obviously. Um, Yeah, okay. So Gina Hicks said when she was removed, she went to Gaston County. She said they followed the updated standards like Mecklenburg County should have been doing. She told the sheriff then that it's his duty to make sure staff and inmates are safe. Uh, And then uh, this was uh, Marquise Robinson. Until this administration has changed, there, there will not be respect inside of the sheriff's office. I was there until January 1st. The respect is that this agency, the deputies and detention staff, don't even call this administration sheriff, but they call them, when, they, when we talk to each other, we call them um, car one or 45, because he's the 45th sheriff and his call sign is car one. We always respected the sheriff. May not agree with everything, but we respected him. But this the only administration that there's zero respect from. Mm. That's pretty damning. So hearing this, Sheriff McFadden played the race court. Well, he tried to. Well, I'm the first black sheriff. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's the problem, Mr. Robinson. Maybe that they had you in a culture where you respect them more than you respect me. If you see all this going on and you didn't have the ability to come, maybe that's come from the culture that you came from. You work outside of my door 10 feet. You never knocked on my door. You have all this information, but it's seemingly funny that you hold it. But we all, let's not hide it. We know the culture that you came from. And it's still there. And this is what the culture is trying to bring back. So we understand that. But I never, I'm the first sheriff that gave you an open door policy. The other sheriff, you don't even know where this office is. I have a young lady sitting in my office of the day, 18 years, she's never saw the sheriff office because that's the culture. Let's be honest. That's the culture that you live with. And that's the culture that you all want to bring back. You don't know why I let 13 people go, but I did. So don't say that this sheriff's office, maybe you could correct them to saying sheriff. I can't tell somebody to walk around and say, call me sheriff. I didn't ask nobody to call me car one. That was given to me. I didn't ask anybody to call me 45. That was given to me. That's the point. That's precisely the point. That the people in your department don't respect you, and so they don't even call you sheriff. That's his point. Why was that so hard to understand? I, I understood what he was saying. So Sheriff Gary McFadden at the debate last night tries to play the race card, saying, that oh, the reason why people disrespect him, the people on staff, his deputies disrespect him while they're talking about him in conversations in the hallway or uh, over the radios, that they never call him sheriff. They call him car one or they call him 45. And the reason why he says is because maybe because he's the first black sheriff. He tells that to Marquise Robinson, who is black. And then McFadden says, you know, look, I didn't uh, I didn't tell them to call me these things. They, they, these were the names given to me. And yes, that's precisely the point. Precisely the point. Which Gina Hicks pointed out. She's one of the other challengers to Gary McFadden. Uh, she says this is about his leadership, not his race. The ability to lead is imperative to getting your staff 
to following whatever your mission is. And you cannot get your staff to follow your mission, Mr. McFadden, if they are afraid to talk to you, if they are afraid to tell you what's going on because mm. you don't have the answer, you're looking for the answer from them. Mm. If they are afraid to talk to you because you're going to demean them and tell them how stupid they are. They're afraid to talk to you. When you lead, you understand it's your role as a leader to motivate your staff. It's not an expectation that they will respect you. You have to earn it. You earn it by putting in the footwork. When they struggle, you struggle. When they pull full cards, you pull full cards. When they're short, you're short. It's your organization. You are totally responsible for it. You have demeaned, diminished, called them every name in the book, and it's disheartening. Sheriff, that is your opinion, and I value your opinion. That but that's is fact. That is fact, and some of them are in this room. Awkward. Yeah. Uh, and then Brett, and then Brett Jensen moved on, realizing that McFadden wasn't going to say anything else. But I mean, what a response! First off, I thought she came out the winner in the debate, hands down. I thought she did the best, um, and left McFadden literally speechless right there, where he said, "Well, that's your opinion, and I respect your opinion, and and no, that's fact." So the picture that got painted at this debate last night was what? A guy at the top who doesn't have the support of his of his uh, employees, who doesn't take criticism well, who's arrogant, condescending, demeaning to staff to the point where nobody wants to go talk to him. So then he and then he attacks you for saying, why won't you come talk to me? Who the hell would want to talk to you? Seriously. I don't understand that approach. He then later on, they ask about overcrowding, and he says, I'm the only one who knows what's going on. He said that. Not gossip, hearsay, or former employees who have a grudge. No, no, I know what's really going on. He then was asked about a circumstance that occurred, you may recall, where the uh, the jail support people, remember those clowns? They'll set up shop outside of the courthouse, and they were, let us get you plugged into services because we care so much. See my virtue signal. See that signal. Right. So the jail support crowd. Why did it take so long to move them, the squatters, that were outside the jail? I think they called themselves um, jail support. They came, and it was a very great thing. And it worked very well. We actually welcomed jail support there for many days. We welcomed jail support to even have COVID uh, screening tests to come inside. We welcomed them to either the bathrooms and everything went well until other agitators came in. And after the agitators came in, we started to talk with the county officials because we didn't want to violate anybody's rights. Ah, so that's what happened. It was the outside agitators. It's always those agitators. Man, they just show up everywhere. All the peacefulness going on. And then all of a sudden, these bad elements just somehow know where to go. It's so crazy. So we work with them as long as we could and try to work out a method that will not infringe on anybody's rights or harm anybody. So every morning I would email the county commissioners and the city officials and about 300 clergy on saying, come and assist us and help us with this problem. Mm -hmm. No one came. 
So after we started getting more complaints and people start being threatened and a lot of things that we can't even discuss here that we could see in private was happening, at that time I made a decision without anybody's help, without anybody's support, and I had to make that decision, and I think it was a good decision at that time. Oh, you didn't get anybody's help and support to remove the group of people that were threatening, harassing, and in some cases assaulting folks outside the jail, part of the jail support group. You couldn't muster up the decision to do that on your own. You were trying to get everybody else to do it for you, and then finally you did it. Gina Hicks said there's a way to do things, helping people as they exit the jail. There's a way to do that, but squatting outside the jail in the courthouse and agitating people is not the way to do it. She said it was a decision that you should have made at the beginning. And then Marquise Robinson said he was actually part of the operation that cleared out the people. And he said McFadden made it worse. We arrested 43 people that we didn't have to arrest nobody because this administration went and told five individuals that was on the street that day that y'all had to this time to leave. When he was advised, let's move them now, he said, no, we're gonna give them time. And what they do, they reached out to everybody else and we got a mass of people down there. Now we had to lock up 43 people when we could have just moved five people on, on the way without nobody going to jail. A leader has to make hard decisions and not count for other people to make the decision for him. So you, you hear that? So apparently McFadden, after deciding, hey, we're going to move these people, went out and told them. And there were like five of them. Rather than just going out and moving them, he went out and told them, we're going to move you. And they then called up a bunch of their, I guess those are the agitators. Did they just show up? That's the thing about agitators. They, they somehow know where all of the events are to go agitate at. They're so smart. And so they just show up, probably coincidentally, right at the same time that McFadden told them, hey, we're getting ready to move you guys. You know, maybe like after lunch, you could just clear out by like three, maybe, or something. And then, of course, they show, they show up. Now you got, you know, dozens or hundreds of people out there. Now you got to start arresting lots of people. And that puts deputies' lives in danger. You now created riotous conditions. Not smart. Maybe you should have actually asked CMPD to come help you on that one. But maybe you should have just gone out and said, hey, you five, get out right now. And then you have like 30 deputies behind you clear the whole space. Maybe that's what you should have done. Or maybe you were afraid of being accused of, you know, targeting these peaceful activists. Like the cops up in Asheville got in all the trouble for smashing up the water bottles at protest. All right. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. It's the Pete Callender Show. Thanks for hanging out. I appreciate it. Let's get Sharon on the line. Hello, Sharon. Welcome. Hey, Pete. Hey. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. Thank you. Your conversation made me think about um, some of the interactions I've had with Sharon McFadden over the years, and I wanted to tell you about it. Great. 
Uh, I'm from the Cornelius area up around Lake Norman, and you're correct. He did a huge traffic sting on um, Jaton Road going right into the Peninsula Club, and uh, it did not go over well. <laughs> I think they had 12 sheriff's cars or something like that. And evidently, the Cornelius police was not notified. But anyway, soon after that, uh, Cornelius Today and Business Today, they have a what they call a newsmaker breakfast at the Peninsula Club, and Sheriff McFadden was the keynote speaker. So I attended that meeting, and it was a little tense, but very interesting. And um, he was quite charming, actually. Uh, but some of the question, a lot of questions came up about the traffic stop, and he defended it. And some of the other questions were, should North Mecklenburg get a magistrate, which they've been working really hard for for a long time? And he cert- he agreed with that. Uh, at the time, he lived in Huntersville. I'm not sure if he still does. But then um, I had some more questions, so I tried to make an appointment to meet with him. And it took about a month, but he invited me down to the sheriff's office in uh, Charlotte, and he actually met with me for about 45 minutes. I had a lot of questions about the um, 280G program, And one of the things that seemed to me that it boiled down to was if the federal agents get a warrant, then the inmates are in their jurisdiction and they have to pay the bills to maintain them at the jail. So if they don't have a warrant, the sheriff's office has to pay. Yeah. So a couple of things. Number one, the 287G program. Yes. So the feds pay uh, to house inmates, but if you're if you're putting them on a hold, then they're not getting paid. The 287G program used to have a bunch of money that was attached to it. That money got yanked away during various congressional budget fights. So there is a financial component to it. Uh, the part about the warrant, though, uh, is a it's a bit of a head fake that uh, local sheriffs are doing because they know that you can't get warrants. For deportation. Those are orders. They're not warrants. A judge doesn't issue an arrest warrant for somebody on deportation orders. So they, they're asking for something that cannot be offered because because uh, these are civil violations. Immigration is a civil mm-hmm. thing. It's not a criminal thing. So when they say, oh, go get warrants, that's a head fake because they, they are expecting people to make the mistake that oh, if I go and get the warrant, then I can hold them. Why don't they just get the warrants? ICE will tell you we can't get warrants. Judges don't give warrants for that. Well, another thing that came up was the uh, federal agents in Charlotte said that he was not accepting phone calls and, and did not answer emails. And as a private citizen, it took me about a month, but I got to go in and sit down with him mm-hmm. in a one-on-one conversation. And so it made me wonder... It, it took them about a year and before they even started saying, well, we can't get in touch with them. And and who goes that long without making an effort to sit down and talk through these problems? Yeah. So I wonder sometimes if politicians don't keep these as problems to use as <gasps> leverage in elections. No. Say it ain't so, Sharon. <laughs> All right. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Um, look, there was another uh, exchange here. I wanted to get this. He, uh, McFadden. 
touted his advocacy for the community, for our community. Um, but then Gina Hicks responded to him, hey, uh, you know, the community includes your staff as well. I advocate every day for this staff. I advocated so that when I walked in, the staff got a raise, never before from the other administration, because you all are under a different watch. That's 5%. Then I came with 3%. Then I came with a bonus. Then I came with sad pay. Then I, then I took away their parking deck that never should have been used to pay for. I paid, no, I, I talk about let's let our staff Park there free. So I advocated. But when you into a crisis, so because neither one of my f- opponents can ever talk about sitting in the seat of the sheriff during a crisis. So we could always say, I would, I would, I would. But yeah. if you listen to him, well, why didn't you? Why didn't you under administration? Why didn't you advocate for all you of fired the past her. administration? Because we know how that culture was, no matter what you say. Because when you can go to a three loser, to be endorsing you, then you're going back to the old days, the good old boy days. But when you want to be a progressive sheriff and move forward, you put things aside and move forward. And that's what I did. And that's a hard conversation. Six. That three loser got a raise for us every year. If you're in this room and you got a raise from that three loser every year that you were employed at the sheriff's office, raise your hand. Raise your hand. That three loser that you're talking about, when I walked into that office and I said we wanted to do something in that facility, right there with that very lady, guess what they said? What do you want to do and how do you want to do it? Is it going to be safe for the staff? Is it going to be safe for the inmates? And if it is, go ahead and do it. That three loser that you're talking about did endorse me because he understands the work that I did while I was there and that it was safe, effective, efficient, and fiscally responsible. So you can say that three loser if you want to, but that three loser poured into his staff and his inmates. Isn't that just an interesting way for a sheriff to talk about the prior sheriff? Same party. Called him a three loser. Yeah, Erwin Carmichael, who endorsed Gina Hicks, who ran the jail for almost 20 years. If I vote in the Democrat primary, I'll be voting for her, I think. All right, Winterville's up next. We'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.